0: passion for God, and compassion for our neighbor, reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church, and now, here's Pastor Stephen Albee. On this, the day when our wonderful people in power from long, long time ago decided to rob us of a precious hour of sleep that I get to preach today on rest. I feel like the hits just keep on coming. I got to preach on the, one of the hardest passages in Jonah. Um, I got to preach on justice. Now I get to preach on rest. On a really hard day to preach about rest. Um, I find it fun. Um, I enjoy this. Rest is a, it's funny to say, it's a, something that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, it's something that, I have had to fight for, it's something I know we all desperately long for, it's something that so many of us know we need and yet have such a hard time finding, and it's something that it seems as even our own culture, our own world that we live in is so adamantly against. And even in those days, I mean, we are all really, really busy, aren't we? And some of us in here are so busy that in those brief downtimes that we get, we're busy worried why we're not being busy. And maybe we act kind of like that FedEx commercial that happened. It was on the Super Bowl about, gosh, seven, maybe eight years ago, where there's a guy sitting at his desk and there's no papers on it or anything, there's not even a computer he's just sitting there and then all of a sudden his phone rings, he picks it up, busy! And he sets it back down. Do you guys know this commercial? Do you remember this one? Um, a guy walks by, says hi, he goes, can't talk now. Phone starts ringing again and he goes, I can't get that, I'm in the zone over here. They talk about how he's so used to being busy that when they did these changes, he doesn't quite know what to do with himself. And he even, at the very end, says one of my favorite lines, I think, of any commercial, He's sitting there, and his hands are on his desk, and he's kind of freaking out, and he goes, Worky work, busy bee! Now it's funny, but how many of us have that going on in our heads all the time? When we're so used to being busy that when we get those down times, we have no idea what to do with ourselves. Or we feel like that we need to make other people believe that we're busy. I mean, honestly, some of us are really, really proud of being busy. Somebody comes up and asks how your day is going. Maybe you, in your head, want to go, Busy! Or maybe if the phone rings and it's a good friend, but it's somebody that you know is going to take a whole bunch of your time because they talk a lot. You think, I can't get that. I'm busy. I know right now there are hundreds, I'm sure even thousands of things on your to-do list right now. There are always going to be those things on your to-do list. But right now, I am giving you, as much of the authority as I have, permission to rest. In fact, if you take out your outlines right now, some of you probably already have, you'll notice that this is not a mistake, but they've been filled out for you. There are are places to take notes, and if you turn it over, there's even a place to doodle, because if you're like me, you like to doodle but I want you to just listen. I want you to rest. And I invite you to listen to Jesus today. For the next 40 minutes or so, you don't have to worry about what's out there. Come and sit. Breathe slowly. Breathe deep. Listen well. And rest. My hope is that here you will have momentary solitude from the noise of this world, that you would hear, as one of my favorite pastors, Steve Brown, puts it in his prayers, that you would hear the soft sound of sandaled feet, that in the busyness of life you would hear our Lord Jesus say, come and rest. Now, the sermon is not to make you feel bad about being busy. Life has its busy seasons, and industriousness is good. It is good to have a good work ethic. I don't have to tell many of you that. If I was preaching in Denver, I would have to preach that really, really, really hard. You guys know how to work, and that's what I love about this church. But you need to know also that life isn't all busyness. There should also be seasons and times of rest. If you don't believe me, look to Jesus. I think we should take comfort in the fact that Jesus didn't heal every illness. That Jesus didn't speak to every person. Jesus only had three years of ministry from the moment that he was baptized until the moment of his ascension. He only had about three years. And the reason he did this, I believe, is because if he would have run and cleansed every unclean spirit, if he would have preached to every single person, if he would have not rested, then he would have set an example that you and I could never possibly hit. And if he is to be our example, he is our example of rest. It's interesting, Jesus said no. How many of us feel like it would be hyper-spiritual to never say no? To answer every demand of us. But Jesus said no. In fact, I believe Jesus actually said no to more things than you and I do. I know he says no more than I say no. But if you prioritize rest the way he did and take time to be with God the way our Lord does, you'll have to say no. And you'll have to say no to even good things. But when saying no to those good things, you'll have time to focus on the best thing. and That's time alone with your father. But why is it so hard to say no? If you're like me, there's a sense of guilt feeling like I, I am physically capable to do these things, so therefore I should go do these things. Or The excuse to, to rest doesn't really feel right. It doesn't quite feel like a good excuse. Again, if you're like me, maybe you don't want to let people down. You want their approval. You want them to like you. But hear this. This is something that I can't emphasize enough and it's something that has been continually spoken to me through many people, through my own mind, through Jesus and one of these days I'll get it, I promise. But it's that if we are not convinced that God is pleased with us fully in Christ, then we will try to squeeze that approval out of other people. If we do not believe that God loves us more than we can ever imagine, and will not love us any less than he loves us right now, then we will spend the rest of our lives as unsatisfied people pleasers. This is a trap I fall into. I think it's a trap that a lot of pastors fall into, but I think it's a trap a lot of us fall into. Maybe that's you today. And now hear the voice of the Lord. Our scripture passage comes today, Mark 6 30 through 31. As those of you remember in the sermon that I gave on justice, I enjoy when the book and the passage has some underlying, uh, not really, I don't want to say irony, but there's some interesting things about Mark that I find this passage to be even stronger. Mark is what is called by many scholars the fastest or the quickest of the Gospels. Now that's not necessarily because it's the shortest gospel, but it's because Mark loves the word immediately. He loves it. He actually uses it more than any other biblical author. And, and trust me, it's funny. read the book of Mark, and Jesus will be teaching in one place, or he'll be cleansing out like cleansing lepers, or he'll be healing people, and then immediately he's in another place. And then immediately he's in another place. And then he does some things. Then immediately they go and do something else. And now maybe this was not the intent of the Holy Spirit when through Mark this gospel was written. But I find it really fun that one of my favorite passages on rest comes from what seems to be one of the most unrestful gospels. Because I think it speaks to us. It says immediately there are things that we need to do. And when we're in the middle of something else, immediately something else comes up. But in the immediacy of life, we find this passage. Jesus had just finished sending out his disciples two by two into different areas. Having them preach the gospel, giving them power over unclean spirits to heal people. And now this is amazing to think about. These disciples had seen things that you and I can only imagine. And then they come back and they want to tell Jesus of everything that they had seen the Lord do and everything they had done. Read with me in verse 30, chapter 6 of Mark. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that he, they had done and taught. And then he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Can you imagine the scene? Can you put yourself in that place doing amazing things, good things? And the people seeing these good things were not going to stop. I mean, would you? If the Lord had given you the ability to cast out demons, wouldn't you want to go and do that all the time? And if the Lord gave you the joy that gets felt when you see sinners repent of their sins and you see sick healed and you see the kingdom of God being brought into this world, you would want to do everything you could to keep that going. And I can imagine the apostles just wanting to tell Jesus with that look in their eyes of just pure joy, Lord, look at everything we've done. Lord, look at what your power has created. And Jesus, knowing their heart, knowing that they wouldn't want to stop, knowing that in this time, they didn't even eat, he says to them, come away. Find a quiet place with me and rest. You ever been so fired up about good things, about doing wonderful things that you forget to take care of yourself? It's amazing when we think about this that God created us to need food. He could have created us not to. He could have created us to be like a tree, to run off of the sunlight, which would be kind of hard up here because even though it was so nice yesterday, it's cloudy outside now. But he could have created us to not need food. He could have created us to not need sleep. Again, that would have been nice, right? I know I keep hammering on this whole loss of hour thing. I'm a little bitter about it, that's okay. Because I think some of you are too, and that's fine. Um, it would have been really nice if God would have created us to not need sleep today. But I actually think that God did this on purpose because God does everything on purpose. But I think the reason that God created us to need food and sleep is to give us opportunities to rest and to make us humble. Cuz I actually think that these are two of the most humbling things about our life is the need for food and the need for sleep. We have to stay connected to this earth if we're going to survive. We need to be close to sources of food. And just as importantly, we need to be close to places where we can sleep. I know these things may not sound terribly spiritual, but they're incredibly important. And I actually think they're more spiritual than you think. So with food, it's funny, I find, and maybe you can relate with this, but I find there are times I'll be sitting in my office and I'll be working really hard, I'll be studying, I'll be reading, I'll be trying to type and the words just won't come. Or the, my mind feels like it's in slow motion and I just, I can't figure out what's going on and again, if you're like me, you can start to get a little frustrated, I'll start to get a little grumpy. I'll start wondering, okay, God, what is going on? Why can't I have a sermon I got to preach? I've got stuff I need to do. There's all these things to go, and I just I can't. I feel sluggish. I feel drowsy. I don't know what's going on. And then I'll think earlier in the day, and I'll remember that I forgot to have breakfast, I forgot to eat. And it's funny because so many of us will think that it has to do with so many other reasons. And yet, it could be so simple as the need for food. Food is an amazing thing. If you don't believe me, look at Leviticus. There's hundreds of laws that God created to govern food. And though we don't abide by the dietary laws anymore because Christ has freed us, it's amazing to see that God cares so much about us that he even wanted to govern how we eat. But food is an amazing thing. And all of you are going to find that out when you go to the camp fundraiser meal. Food gives us energy, it revs us up, and our brain actually cannot function without sugar, without simple sugars that come from food. But if you don't think food is that important, because I know many of us skip breakfast, a lot of us also skip lunch, and then we have a gigantic dinner, I hope, or we just don't eat at all. But would it be weird if our car felt bad when it can't move because there's no gas in it? Or would it be odd if our cell phone got frustrated because its battery died and it couldn't turn on anymore? I mean, yeah, we get frustrated at it, it's true. But as our car was not designed to run without gas, our phone was not designed to run without electricity, we are not designed to run without food. So a quick question: if you're feeling really stressed out and you're having a hard time with energy, honestly ask yourself, are you eating enough food? And by enough food, I also mean, are you eating a good quality of food? Are you eating things that are actually going to energize you, are actually going to give you good nutrition. And now switching to the source object, sleep. Thinking again about the times where I'm in my office, and I'm sure you guys can relate to this, when I'll be working, I'll be typing, and then my eyelids will start getting a little droopy. Again, I start getting grumpy. I get grumpy a lot, apparently. I don't. Um, But, and my wife's laughing, she knows. Um, And then I start remembering, well, I didn't, I maybe got five hours of sleep, six hours of sleep. Maybe I didn't sleep that well. And it's amazing how much that can throw my entire day off and how much it can throw all of our days off. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, come on, pastor, we know we need sleep. You just told us about losing an hour. We're all mad about it. Stop telling us we need to sleep. And some of you are probably sleeping right now, and that's fine. I see you. It's okay. I can see a lot more from up here, even with the lights in my eyes. Um, And that's okay. I gave you permission to rest. If you want to lay down you want to take a nap, fine. They actually say you listen better when you're asleep than you do when you're awake anyway, so maybe, no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm in a goofy mood. Uh, The center, so sleep is actually, an like the lack of sleep, it's actually an epidemic right now. Um, The Center for Disease Control says that lack of sleep affects more than 40 million Americans. That's more than 10%. And they actually say that that group receives less than five hours of sleep at night. I once saw a study where they actually showed that the amount of physical and mental impairment that comes from getting about five hours of sleep is akin to the same as being just over the legal limit for alcohol. They actually did a driving test and they scored similar on their driving tests. The group that got less than five hours of sleep and the group that was over the legal limit for alcohol. It's a serious thing. They actually say that car accidents skyrocket the Monday after daylight savings time, so be careful out there tomorrow. Um, Interestingly enough, they actually decrease, so I guess it evens out. They decrease when daylight savings time ends. And again, too, if you ever doubt the joy of sleep and the necessity for sleep, talk to a new parent. And I'm sure they'll tell you how wonderful sleep is. I bet you they will tell you with tones of longing in their voice how wonderful sleep was, how much they long for it now. And I don't know if you can see a bigger smile on the face of a new parent when they tell you about the first night that their baby slept all night long. And I sincerely doubt that parents, new parents, would say that sleep is not a spiritual thing. Sleep is incredibly spiritual. I want you to hear this quote from Pastor Mark Dever. He was actually quoted in a book by C.J. Mahaney, another great pastor, um, in a book called Humility. I want you to hear this It's really, really good analogy for sleep. I find this really interesting. He says, Sleep is a picture and a parable of what it means to be a Christian. Your sleep tonight will be a real act of faith. You'll lay your full weight on your bed, trusting the structure to support you. You can relax because there's no effort needed at supporting yourself. Something else is holding you up. And in the same way throughout the night as you sleep, someone else, our Lord, is sustaining you. This is a picture of what it is to belong to Christ. Because when you go through life, and it feels like you have to do everything on your own, use sleep as an example of how Jesus sustains you. When you are in Christ, if you are a Christian today, trust Jesus to support you. You can lay your full weight on Christ. And he'll uphold you. And when you can't sustain yourself, when you've gone as far as you can possibly go, he will sustain you. But now rest is even more than sleep and food. And I know what you're probably thinking because I think this way too. I've actually seen people get mad at me when I have offered them rest. When I have said to them, you should take a break. You know, hey, it's all right. Go, go sit down for a bit. Go take it easy. And they get mad. And it's funny because what, what goes through their mind or what they've said to me or yelled at me is, you've just, you, you know, you mentioned how I need sleep and I don't have enough time for that. You've mentioned that I need food and I don't have enough time for that. Now you're telling me that I need regular times during the day to rest? Like, How am I going to get everything done? You don't know what all I have to do. You have no idea how many things are piled on top of me and now you're saying that I need to take extra time throughout the day to rest? How how am I going to get all this stuff done? Let me tell you a story. Every year in Canada, there is a wonderful event called the Lumberjack Competition. And there are some around here too but this one in particular is really interesting. They have an event that I've never seen before. It's an endurance race. And basically, as fast as people can put logs in front of them, they split and quarter them and then put them into a pile and they just keep going. And it's two guys fighting against each other and the one who splits the most wood in, listen, four hours is the winner. And there was one event in particular where there were two competitors, one giant of a man. His arms looked like the logs he was going to split. This huge beast of a guy, big beard, you know, just typical lumberjack, huge dude. And the other one was quite a bit smaller. He's I mean, still pretty athletic-looking guy, but a much smaller competitor, and the, and the big guy looks at him and thinks, "Huh, I've, this is in the bag. I got this. There's no way this little guy's going to beat me." So they both grab their axe, take it out of its protector, get ready for the starting gun, then bang, they start chopping. And people are putting their logs in the way and they're splitting them, they're putting logs and they're splitting through them, and just going at this feverish pace. The big guy's just chopping away and the little guy's just chopping away. After about 45 minutes in, the, the big guy looks over, and the little guy's gone. He goes, all right, this is great. The little guy's already tired. It's only been 45 minutes of chopping, and he's, he's gone. I've got this. So he chops all the more. He chops even faster. But after about 10 minutes, the little guy came back. He started chopping again. And the, the two kept doing that, and then it was funny. About every 45 minutes, the little guy would do the same thing. He would go, and he would leave for about 10 minutes, and he would come back, and the big guy's thinking, man, this guy is weak. He needs all this rest. What's going on? There's no way he's going he's to beat me. So, after four hours of this, the gun sounds, and they cease from their chopping. The big guy surveys this vast pile in front of him. And he glances over to his left, and he sees a bigger pile. Stunned, he goes over to the other guy after they had declared him the winner. And he goes, how on earth did you beat me? You took all this time off. You you had to gather yourself. You were exhausted. How did you win? Thinking he cheated or he did something illegal. He brings other people around. He says, you have to hear what this guy has to say. The little guy looks up at him. And says, well, every 45 minutes or so, I would take a break. I would go over, I would wipe my face, I would take a sip of water, and I'd sharpen my axe. Do you see the parallel here? How many of us are fighting tooth and nail to get everything done? To answer every single demand but not getting ahead? Maybe the best thing to do is to step back, find a desolate place with Jesus, and let him sharpen your axe. I think you'd be amazed at how much more productive you'd feel and less stressed you'd be if you took regular times during the day to rest. And now, I can't tell you exactly what that looks like because we're all different, but. Maybe you could use some of the space if you haven't filled it up with doodles yet to honestly wrestle through. How do you rest? What does sharpening your axe look like? Now rest is an amazing thing in the fact that other than food and sleep which are needed and our body will demand from us, intentional times during the day to rest must be chosen. For it's said that you will never have time unless you take time. And it's funny because in our passage, Jesus wasn't telling his disciples to take a nap. He wasn't telling them to just go get some food. He told them to just take a break, go rest. You know, and there's some of us in here who struggle with the same thing maybe day after day. Maybe we feel like we're not a good enough Christian because if we were better, then we wouldn't be struggling so much. Maybe they're stressed out about being stressed out. Or maybe they're worried because they're not worried. Or maybe there's just one issue in our lives, one sin that just won't go away no matter how hard we try. Hear Jesus when he says to come away to a desolate place and let him sharpen you. Instead of maybe adding new things and adding spiritual disciplines and adding all these other things, maybe it's time to let Jesus sharpen you. One way that I've seen rest be incredibly powerful is in prayer. And now, normally, I'm a morning person. I wake up pretty early in the morning regularly. My wife, it drives her nuts. It drives her absolutely crazy because she's not a morning person. And she has said at more than one occasion, why are you so cheerful in the morning? As she's trying to sleep and I'm just fired up talking about cool things that are going to happen today. But the reason that I wake up early a lot of the time, other than it just kind of being my natural tendency, is because there are times that I need to spend in prayer. I spend a lot of time in prayer. And believe me, it's not because I'm in any way more spiritual than any of you. If anything, it's because I'm a lot needier than a lot of people, and I need to pray. And it's been hard for me to take those times in prayer because there's always another email to answer. There's always another text to address. There's always another message to read or another book to read. But as my, one of my new favorite pastors, Steve Brown, says so well, in the busyness of ministry and the busyness of evangelizing and thinking of all the things that I need to do, I'll be honest and I'll be the first to tell you that I need to talk to him about them before I talk to them about him. Prayer is incredibly restful because it's an acknowledgement. It's a chosen time when we get on our knees before Christ and we tell him that we can't do it by ourselves. We can't do everything. My flesh fights this because I feel like there's more useful things that I can be doing than pray. But there's no better way to sharpen yourself for the work the Lord has put in front of you, whether it's in ministry or whatever you do, than to sit at his feet in prayer. I'll give you another story. A while ago, I was running around because I was late in the morning, and I was running around searching for my keys. Does that ever stress you guys out when you can't find your keys and you know you have to be somewhere? Or is that just me? It could just be me. But I was running all over the house and I was freaking out because I was late, I had things I needed to do, and I, I couldn't find my keys. So I ran all over and I looked at places and, you know, I, I started in my mind like getting mad at my wife because she's so incredibly organized that a lot of the time she'll take things and she'll put them where they're supposed to go as opposed to where I remember where they were. And after checking both places, I couldn't find it anyway, so I'm, I'm sprinting through the house and I'm looking at each and every place that I can find. Every, every room overturning, you know, couch cushions just trying to find my keys. And after I would searched the entire house, I did what no person wants to do. I reached to my pocket. And there they were. Stunningly silent as I was running around the house, by the way. They could have at least made a little jingle to let me know they were there. They were in my pocket. <laughs> and as embarrassing as that is, I thought to myself, who on earth spends all this energy... All this time, all this effort, running around, finding something that they already have. Me, (laughs) apparently. And I think a few of you, too. Because one of the main reasons, now that you have some ideas on how to rest and how to take some time... I think it's great to address one of the reasons why we don't do this. And one of the main reasons I think that we don't rest or we take on more than we can possibly have is because we're trying to find something that is already ours. We take on extra jobs at work because we long for the approval of our boss. We, when we're already completely approved of in Christ... We feel like if we take a break, then we'll be seen as lazy, or we feel like our reputation as a hard worker will be destroyed completely. Yet if you're a Christian today, Christ's life and his work is attributed to you. He already did it all perfectly. Or We feel like if we don't spend enough time in spiritual disciplines, in prayer, in reading our Bible, in doing all these spiritual things and volunteering for every opportunity that comes up, then we feel like God maybe won't like us anymore. And yet God already loves you more than he could ever possibly love you. And he loves you no less than he will ever love you. Because it's perfect. And if you are not a Christian here today, if you don't know what this rest is, listen to me, because I've done it. You are going to spend the rest of your life running and searching for things that will never satisfy you and things infinitely smaller than Jesus. You will never find the rest you seek. You won't. And I don't say that to be mean. I'm saying it because I care about you. And I want you to find rest. Run to Jesus. Sit at his feet. Rest in him and let him your rest. Now, I wish I could tell you that Jesus will fully satisfy you on this earth. I can't say that. Because there's always going to be things that entice us. There's always going to be things in this fallen world that pull us away. But the important thing is, is not if Jesus will satisfy you, but that Jesus fully satisfied God for you. I know there are many of us in here who wish they could sacrifice everything they have for Christ. You can't. And that's okay. Because Jesus sacrificed everything that he had for you. I know there are so many things that I should be doing. So many good things that we just cannot say yes to. This is where we should find peace in that Jesus did not heal every illness or speak to every person. But he said no. He found desolate places where he could connect with the Father and he invites us to do the same. When life gets really busy, I pray, my friends, that you will find a desolate place to hear the soft sound of sandaled feet, that still small voice in the calm of this world that enters your mind like a whisper and says be still and know that I am God I am for you I have given everything I've given you everything that you cannot earn and spared you everything that your sin has earned you my grace is free because you cannot possibly afford it stop trying And rest in me. If you please pray with me. Lord, I pray for my friends here. Lord, may they hear your voice today. May they rest in the knowledge that their effort cannot compete with your grace. That, Father, in you, they already have everything they could ever possibly need and that we all look for in a thousand other places. Lord, I pray that in the busyness of life, when Sunday turns into Monday, and we all get back into our routines, that your voice, still and small and calm as it is, would outvolume all the other voices that say that they need to do in order to be loved. Now, Lord, your voice would tell them that you love them, that they already have everything they need. Father, be with us, and may your Holy Spirit continue to bring up these truths for each of us, Lord, myself foremost, (laughs) for I need rest as well. Lord, I pray that we would find that rest. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here who do not know you, that they would enter your rest. I pray this, Lord, in the name of of Jesus. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Stephen's sermons can be found online at Crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.